Greetings, Nexus Church family online. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you are a first-time listener today or viewer, it's an honor that you would join us. And we are so excited for what God has for us today in our worship service. Today we will begin with one song to prepare us for the message that will be delivered. And then we will close down the service with a song of reflection And so we will open up today in a word of prayer, and then we will go right into our worship set. Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you for those who are listening, Father. I pray that you will speak to their minds and their hearts, God, that you will be right now preparing them, God, for what you have. And I thank you, God, that you're a living God. You're a God that cares. You're a God that loves each and every one of us. And so as we go into this time of worship, as we sing this song, may you be glorified and may you do a great work in each viewer's lives.
Welcome back, Nexus Church family. Thank you again for joining us today. Uh, we are on our third week in our five-week series that we called Family Force 5. Now, there's really no point to Family Force 5 other than the fact that it was just a really cool name and I like the band. However, uh, there's a point to it. And today, we're going to be looking at the third established foundation of what it means to be a healthy family, whether it's you're a part of a family as biological or at church or at school, at the workplace, in your neighborhood. We're all a family at some level, and we want to be a healthy family member. So the first couple of weeks, we established uh, the importance of being a trustworthy family member, as well as what exactly is it to be humble. <laughs> That's a hard one, isn't it? Uh, we all struggle with humility and how do we serve others. And then this week, we're going to be taking a look at mercy. What does it mean to be merciful? That's not a word we use very often, but it is so, so important when it comes to being a healthy family member, that we are merciful. And so let's begin today by examining what exactly is mercy. Now, we use grace and mercy and forgiveness kind of interchangeably, and they are very much similar. However, mercy has a very distinct uh, terminology, if you will, and there's a lot of good definitions out there, but I've always loved this simple, easy-to-remember example or definition. It is simply that it's when you deserve punishment for something and you are forgiven. You deserve some kind of consequence for something you've done, but you've been forgiven. You, in essence, I love this even shorter example, and that is not getting what you deserve. You deserve something, you don't get it. That's what mercy is, right? Mercy is not getting something when we deserve it. It's the old classic, we deserve a punishment for something we've done wrong, and we've been shown love and forgiveness. Truly, love and forgiveness are ways we receive mercy. And so I don't know about you, but I've experienced a lot of mercy in my life. If you grew up like I did, you did a lot of not-so-good things, right? It's, it's that whole, I was just messing around, Mom or Dad. <laughs> well, I did a lot of messing around, and over my time, 
growing up as a kid, there was always pushing the limits. Like, you know, it usually had to do with some kind of sporting thing for myself. And whether it was a baseball, football, uh, some kind of activity, it usually resulted in not so good things happening. But more often than not, it had to do with riding bike. There was just something about riding bikes and, and jumps and racing that got me in a lot of trouble. Because Every time you build a jump and you go far, you mark down that line how far you went and you got to go farther next time. And let me tell you, there was plenty of times where we pushed the limits a little too far. We went a little bit too close to something we weren't supposed to that we knew very well that we weren't supposed to do. And before you know it, bam, and there you are next to a car, house, garage, well, get the point. We ended up crashing into something that should have gotten us in a lot of trouble. And as soon as it came about to be about supper time and we finally got the courage to go in the house because, well, the, the belly told us we needed to get in the house and have some food, uh, we go in and my mom had a way of always knowing when we did something wrong. I don't know how moms do it, but they know when you walk in the door that you did something you weren't supposed to and it always resulted and her consoling and comforting me and reminded me that I'm thankful that you are safe and not hurt, but we told you this so that you wouldn't get hurt and wouldn't wreck something. And I'm sure many of you parents out there understand that there's a lot of mercy that's given because there should have been a consequence for all the times that I wrecked things of my parents but they showed mercy. And after reminding me once again, that's why we don't do that, there would be a big hug and we would go on. Now, as beautiful as that example is and how many of us have received mercy from a loved one, a lot like that, the reality is, is that pales in comparison to the mercy that God has given us. And after we've received that mercy, as we will soon see, we need to then give it to others. Not just to those who we love, which comes naturally. It's a natural thing for a parent to show mercy to a child, but to show mercy to those who have deeply hurt us. That's a whole different animal. But first we have to understand what is this mercy that's been given to us. Because if we're going to give that kind of mercy to somebody who's deeply wronged us, we have to receive mercy that comes from God. We have to understand and experience that kind of depth. And so we see this in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, where God lays out how merciful He is. He sets up in this passage what we deserve if we have done God wrong, we deserve punishment. And Paul lays this out so perfectly in Romans chapter 1. And we read, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. There's a lot of big words, and we'll unpack this in a second. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. 
For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. You see, what this passage and and really what Romans chapter 1 establishes, you can go back and read it later, it's establishing the fact that God has revealed himself. Every person who's ever existed will know God through his creation. If you look up at the stars, if you look out into the vastness of God's creation, naturally we are understanding that something bigger than us has created. There's a knowledge of God. But we have rejected that knowledge and said, we don't want anything to do with it. We want to go our own way and follow our own gods that we create, which is in essence God's creation. We worship what God created instead of God himself. And then God goes on to say that because of this, we will experience God's wrath. If we fall away from worshiping Him and Him alone, making Him the priority of our life, we will receive His wrath for all eternity. We will be separated from God. That is what we deserve. We deserve that. Because as Romans 3.23 so clearly states, we all have sinned. We've all fallen short of what God's standard is. And because of that, we deserve His wrath. But yet, this is the beautiful story of, of who Jesus is, right? That is, in essence, what we deserve. But God doesn't want any to perish. He doesn't want any to be separated from him. He doesn't want anybody who's ever been created to experience that wrath. He longs for, desires that all people would come to understand who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us on the cross by taking the punishment on himself. He wants that so bad. And we see this in Titus chapter 3 verses 4 through 7. Just a passage that I found so powerful as I was studying about God's mercy. And Paul says to his followers, When God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, that is Jesus, right? Jesus came down in kindness and love. He didn't didn't have to come. But because he loved us and because he wanted to be kind towards us and not give us wrath, he came, right? And so therefore, it goes on to say, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Right? That goes right back to what is mercy? Not getting what we deserve. There was nothing we did to earn God's forgiveness and love. His mercy. It was all because of his love. He washed away our sins. That's what Jesus did when he died on the cross. He Gave us the ability to have our sins, our bad things we've done, taken away. And now he's giving us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. And because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit 
eternal life. Again, we did nothing. We did nothing to earn God's forgiveness or his favor. It was all because of Jesus. We deserved what we earned was his wrath because of our rejection of him. Every single one of us. I know every single person who has listened to this or ever will listen to this has or will continue to do things that are against what God desires and deserves wrath. But when we ask Jesus to save us from that wrath, from our eternal separation from God, he gives us mercy. He gives us what we don't deserve, and that is forgiveness. That is forgiveness. That is the best mercy we could ever accept. As, as awesome as my mom or your mom's or dad's or whoever's mercy is and what they've done for you and how they've forgiven you pales in comparison to what God has done for you. But here's the thing, and I want you to hear this so clearly today, is that that mercy is not for us to just enjoy. It's for us to give. There's nothing we could do to earn that mercy But if we've received that mercy, we must give it. Listen to James 2.13. He says, There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Did you get that? You will not be shown mercy. Now, That just seems like it totally contradicts what we just said, right? Like, God freely gives that mercy. But if we don't give it, then all of a sudden he won't give us mercy? Like, what is going on here? What that shows is that when we receive that mercy, it changes us. It doesn't make us perfect and we will fail, but our heart desires and what we are intending to do is to please God and likewise become like him and be merciful to others. It is our job now to be merciful, to be like Jesus to the rest of the world. God left you on earth for one purpose after you were saved, and that is to tell others and be the light of Jesus so others can understand God's mercy. There's only one thing that you can do on earth that you won't be able to do in heaven, and that is save another person. Once you get to be with Jesus, you can't come back and tell others about Jesus. You're in the presence of God worshiping him forever. Now, don't get me wrong. I want you to be worshiping and praising God here on earth. But the one thing you can't do here or in heaven that you can do here on earth is bring other people to Jesus. And so when we be merciful like Jesus is merciful to us, we are giving people an understanding of who God is. And so we must be merciful well, the Bible is, has got a great picture of what it's like when a person receives God's mercy, but they do not return that mercy to others. And it's found in the book of Jonah. And in the book of Jonah, I kind of give you just a backdrop 
of what happened up until chapter 4, where we'll be reading from today, is God gives Jonah this great and mighty call to go to Nineveh and be merciful for God, right? To proclaim repentance for the bad things they've done. You need to receive this gift of salvation, of forgiveness of the bad things you've done. The people of Nineveh were horrible people. They did absolutely nasty things to all the other people around them. They conquered and did horrible things. And God was saying, because of what you have done, I am going to take and just tear this city apart. It was a big city, and he was going to annihilate them. But he was going to send Jonah first because his heart is still for his people even when they do wrong. Even when they're horrible people, he wants to be merciful. And so he reached down through Jonah and said, Jonah, I'm sending you there. What happens to Jonah? If you know the story, he runs the absolute furthest away he can from Nineveh. And on his way, God's like, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to have a massive old fish come and just swallow you up. Like crazy stuff, right? Supernatural things happen in this story. And so here's Jonah in this massive fish. And he cries out to God. And God saves him. He is what? Merciful to him. Jonah did not in any way, shape, or form deserve to be freed. He deserved punishment for rejecting God right to his face, right? God was merciful, forgave him, gave him another chance. Jonah goes and he proclaims the message that God had given him. Repentance for the bad things you've done. Seek God Ask for forgiveness and turn from those bad things you've done. And guess what? They did it. They did it. They did everything that Jonah said that they had to do for God to forgive them. And this is where we pick up the story today in Jonah chapter 4. We read, Jonah was greatly displeased because of and became furious. He got angry. He didn't want God to be merciful to these people. God had been merciful to Jonah multiple times. And Jonah was angry because God was merciful to these people. And then he goes on to even pray to God. Like, how crazy is this? Please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled towards Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. That is merciful, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, unbounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. I'd rather die than watch you forgive these people of the bad things they've done. And the Lord asked, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. He was still hoping God would strike them down. Like he, he was still hoping that his enemies would receive God's wrath. 
Then the Lord appointed a plant, and it grew over Jonah and provided a shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Of course, he is in a desert, right? This is hot, dry, and he was getting pretty miserable. So God was once again, what? Gracious. God didn't have to do that to Jonah. He could have just said, enough of this, man. I can't believe I picked this. This is the best I have. Find somebody else. No, God was merciful, just like he's been merciful to us. How many times have I failed God, and yet he still picks me up? And when I repent, he gives me what I don't deserve. Even sometimes when I don't repent, he gives me what I don't deserve. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. And when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. Let's try to teach Jonah something. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. He said, it's better for me to die than to live. God was just about ready to make his statement here. Then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. And here comes one of the most powerful couple of verses in the Old Testament that shows so perfectly God's heart for all people. This is his heart for the worst of the worst people said you cared about the plant you cared about yourself which you did not labor over and did not grow you didn't deserve it you don't deserve anything you received jonah it appeared in a night and perished in a night but may i not care about the great city of nineveh which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right hand and their left well as many animals. Man, I don't know about you, but I can really relate to this story. How God has forgiven me so much, but yet that one person who does something that really hurts you. Maybe they said something behind your back. Maybe they cheated you. Maybe they're that neighbor that just never stops being an idiot could be a spouse something they've done to you these were bad people and I know bad people have done things to you that have hurt deeply but God looks at them just like he did the Ninevites you didn't deserve a single thing you received from me. You didn't earn it. Why can't you give it? Going back to James, if you can't show mercy, I'm not going to show you mercy. Like, this is a hard call. This is not something that if we like to preach about or talk about in the church world because it really is a challenging statement. But God is calling us to be merciful and not give what people deserve. Forgiveness and love. But that's what he asks of us. 
Psalm 103, verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. You see, at the core of what mercy is, is truly love and forgiveness. If you can't love somebody, you cannot give them what they don't deserve, which is really love. You have to be willing to say, that person has done so many bad things. They've hurt me so deeply, but I'm willing to give them what they don't deserve. What, what they need from me could hurt me. It could require more out of me than I can possibly give, but I'm going to give it because it's what God has done for me, and my life is no longer my own. It is God's. But it has to come from a deep love, a deep love for others that comes from God. It's a deep love. Without love, we cannot give or show mercy. As Nelson Searcy put it, mercy is literally love in action. It's good. Micah 6.8 puts it this way, and we will close with this thought. He says, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what's right. To do what's right. To love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. We have to love. We have to love. And so the question I have for you today, who, who do you need to Show mercy towards. Again, could be anybody. God has given you what you don't deserve. He's forgiven you of the deepest thing that you could never pay for, and that is your evil. Will you, out of deep love and appreciation for him, will you show mercy and give others what they don't deserve? Forgiveness, love. Jesus puts it this way in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 26. And we will close with this thought. But I say to you, who listen? Will you listen today? This is God's heart for you. Love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That is deep mercy. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you, and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Right? It's, it's, it's maybe not easy to be merciful to those who love you, 
but it's a lot easier than it is to those who are your enemy. Those who believe that a different political party is the right choice. To those who might have different core values than you. It's, it's much easier to forgive and be merciful towards those who line up with you. And to love them and to think the best of them. But we're called to. Jesus calls us to this. This is hard. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. For He is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Today, I want you to know that that is your call. Go and be merciful. Be merciful. And remember that you don't have to carry this burden. Jesus isn't calling you to carry this burden. He's asking you, will you be obedient and open up your heart so that I can be merciful through you? Right? This goes back to exactly what Titus said. He said that the Father generously gave us His Spirit through Jesus. The Holy Spirit has been given so that you could be merciful. But if you're not willing to be that vessel that God can use to be merciful, He cannot use you. You have to be willing to let Him do that. And so that is my prayer for you today. That is the action step that I want you to have today. Sure, Think of somebody that you could show mercy towards. But before you can even imagine what that might be like to be merciful to them, you first must have to accept the fact that the Holy Spirit needs to come inside and dwell in you. You have to be open to that. You have to be willing to say, I'm not going to have control over this. I have to give it to God and let Him do that work. Letting control is that first step of finding the ability to do what's impossible. Because humanly speaking, being merciful to an enemy or somebody who it doesn't think like you, act like you, believe like you, that's not natural. You cannot do that in your own self. Sure, you could for a very short period of time, maybe a one-time one deal where you give towards something or maybe you help out at an outreach of some kind that's, that's towards people who are totally against what you are. You can do that one time, but a lifestyle like that, a heart like that, that can only come from Jesus through the power of His Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would empower your people to, first of all, God, receive the Holy Spirit. 
And then secondly, to be open to the Holy Spirit using them and empowering them to be merciful, God. They have to make that choice in their head that they will, in fact, actually show love and forgiveness towards those who are different or believe different than them or act different than them. God, I pray that you will do that work right now in the name of Jesus so that we can show the mercy of God and change this world. May revival happen, God. But first, may it happen in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Nexus Church family, for joining us today. And we will see you again next week.